Good morning. Good morning. Guys, it's good to see you today. And uh, we sit here today poised uh, with just a lot of amazing things that are happening um, just this Sunday here in the service, but also around it. We'll get to some of the other things later, but what we do today is we, we finish up talking about this idea um, that there is something vital to your spiritual health that no one ever talks about. And uh, we began this a couple weeks ago, and we looked at this idea of what we call accountability. Um, the, the idea that this is not a popular word today, and it certainly isn't practiced in an, an intentional way in the church often today, but that there is this idea that for your spiritual health to thrive and grow, accountability is necessary in each of our lives. Now, today we're talking about one other facet, something else that I've personally come to believe is absolutely vital to your spiritual health. That without it, your spiritual health will be stunted and impotent. And that just simply isn't talked about in the church today. It's corollary to accountability. And it's a five-letter word. Honor. Honor has become one of these words that's often become antiquated or relegated to certain classes or people of society, but I believe that honor is very absent in many areas of the world today. And what I'd like to do with you is, is take you through a series of passages this morning where God talks about not only this thing called honor, but the call towards honor and honoring others who are placed in our lives and furthermore, the spiritual implications of that. I encourage you, as we look at these passages, I'll flash them on the screen, but write them down and meditate on them, especially the ones that are calls to honor for you. Now, I don't like to reduce concepts as big and deep and multifaceted as honor to single definitions, but there's an operating one that I'm going to be approaching this discussion with today. What does it mean to treat someone else as more important than you? Because if you capture that, I believe you get the heart and the soul of honor. So let's look at some passages. All from the New Testament. And there's one where Paul quotes the Ten Commandments, and he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Now what I'd like to do today with these passages, rather than me just read them to you and you look, I think it's important if we're called to honor that we put the words of honor on our lips. So I invite you to, if you are a child today, if you are a child of someone here today, to read this passage with me. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. He simply states, honor your father and mother. Why? Well, he seems to indicate that if you do, it will go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. In fact, so you don't miss the implication or write it off, he even goes so far to say that it is the first command of the Ten Commands given in the Old Testament that actually has a promise attached. The first three, yeah, no other gods before me. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember these? 
No promise attached, just do them. You come to this one here. He says, children, obey your parents. And if you do, there is a promise attached by God. What is the spiritual implication of honoring your parents? That it may go well with you. That you may enjoy long life on the earth. If you're sitting here today going, I, I'm not really looking for it to go well with me, you, you know, this time around on the planet, then, then, then I encourage you to ignore this one or, or, or relegate it to the sidelines. But if you are looking for it to go well with you, ask yourself the question, are you honoring your parents? It doesn't matter if your mom's a drunk. It doesn't matter if your dad is checked out. It doesn't matter if they're more consumed with themselves than with you. It doesn't matter if they conduct or act in dishonorable ways. The commandment stands nonetheless. Even if they are dishonorable, parent, children honor your parents. Now, those of you in the room who are uh, teenagers or single and have never been married and are looking and are interested, I want to encourage you to something. And, and, and what I want to do is, is encourage you to be very wary of entering into any relationship that you think might go somewhere with someone who is dishonorable towards their parents. Because I promise you, as soon as you start to do things that they don't like about you, and they're stuck in a relationship with you, the dishonor that they extend to their mother and father will be extended to you as well. Avoid that pain. Honor your father and mother. Now here's a second one. Honor your authorities. Now, if you are a person in this room who is under a governor, under a leader, under someone who is a civil authority, I would like you to read this with me. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. Everyone. Paul says everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. Why? Why is this so important to him? For there's no authority except that which God has established. That the authorities that we have in our civil realm operate under the auspice of God. That they are invested with a call from God. And they have given themselves to the full-time exercising of a duty that God wants done in our world. So he says, give everyone what you owe him. If taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. It doesn't matter if they're dishonorable. It doesn't matter if they're cheats. It doesn't matter if you don't agree with their policy. It doesn't matter if you find them to be dishonorable people. God says, honor them. And, and if you read this passage, he'll give you like five different reasons why and how it will affect your soul and affect your life. Be wary of ever entering a commitment be it business or marriage or anything else where there is stake and risk with someone who does, not, who does not honor the authorities. Because as soon as you start to disagree with them, what they project on this person they don't like will be embedded in a soul that will be projected on you. Which means it doesn't matter if you don't like President Obama. He was elected. He is your president. He stands in God's place in this realm. God says, honor him. Now, 
from here, Peter picks up and he says something. Fear God, honor the king. It's amazing to me that if Paul and Peter can write about honoring the authorities when they're pagan emperors who invite worship of themselves and are single-handedly responsible oftentimes for the instrumental exercise of persecution on both Jews and Christians and certainly do not represent what we would call a Christian society and they say honor them. How much more should we follow their lead to when he says fear God, honor the king? Now it's fascinating if you read First Peter. He starts to go on a trail of all different ways that this idea of honoring others should come out in our lives. He goes to wives next. And if you are a wife here today, I invite you to read this along with me. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Respect them, honor them, treat your husbands as though they are more important than you. Why? Let me ask you today, wives, do you want to be an influence for good in your home? Furthermore, do you want to have a spiritual impact and the people in your family who are most important to you. Peter calls wives to submit to their husbands because through this, he says, comes the channel that influence happens. Show honor. You, ladies, are the spiritual influence of goodness in your homes. Do you realize that? Do you realize that for centuries, Christianity has been a chick religion? It has. It started all the way with the crucifixion and the resurrection when the men took off and it was the ladies who stood behind. It started at that resurrection when the men took off and were hiding and the ladies were the first to witness and believe. It started back at the resurrection when the men were getting it and the ladies go, no, let me tell you about what happened. You can see it in the early church where they've done archaeological studies of catacombs and they go in and they find closed remains and they see these ratios of 5 to 1, 7 to 1, 10 to 1, of females living in a commune, of females living in an area, of females worshiping in a place. Ladies, God speaks through you. God uses you, often primarily, in your home to be an influence of good on those who are closest to you. Do you want that to happen? Then honor the one that God has brought into your life. And through honoring him, God will open channels and doors to be an impact of good in your home. Dishonor him and see what happens. Now men, if you are a husband, I invite you to read this one with me. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives 
and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, there's a couple things I think we should pick apart in this passage here. First of all, he says, husbands, be considerate with your wives and treat them with respect. And he says specifically treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now, ladies, don't get your underwear in a knot, all right? He is not talking about strength of character. He is not talking about strength of soul. I know many ladies who can even run marathons around me in the physical realm. But when it comes to sheer physical power, sheer physical strength, by and far, men are stronger than women. This is why as early as junior high, we have boy sports and girl sports despite the fact that girls mature physically more quickly. It is a biological observation to say that in general, men are physically more powerful or stronger than women. That is all that means. And if you miss that, you miss the implication of what Paul, or Peter, excuse me, is trying to say. Because men, this is what he says. You can overpower them. You can dominate. You really can when it comes to physical things. You honor your wife. You treat her with respect. And even though she is weaker than you, you treat her as an heir with you, not someone below you. Why? So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Think about that. Men, don't honor your wives and God won't honor you. Because I guarantee you that just as you are physically stronger than your wife, God is physically stronger than you. And you know what I've discovered from the Bible? Despite the fact that God often acts in contrast to the way that we treat other people and his grace abounds, there's another stream through the Bible that seems to say the way we treat other people is the way that God will treat us. Forgive us our sins. How? As we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus, in fact, says, if you don't forgive them, I won't forgive you. To which Peter says, don't honor them, and God won't honor you. Do you want God to listen to you? Do you want God to respond to you? To treat you with gentleness and kindness and respect as an heir, even though you're beneath him? Then husbands, Peter says, treat your wives in the same way. Are you with me? There's one more I want to show you here today. It's a bit of an awkward one for me, but I'm not doing my job if I don't take you through the counsel of God on this. And when the scripture says, honor your pastors. Just, just a side amazing moment. I, I was doing final preparation last night, piecing it together. And, and oftentimes I'll ask Tina to kind of like look over something. And, and I just had her glance at it and she saw my notes and she's like, geez, Dave, the pastor one is like twice as long as everything else combined. <laughs> <laughs> to which she then added, I'm glad that's not the wives one. <laughs> no joke, five minutes later, my eight-year-old son, Ben, he walks in the room and he looks at the notes. I don't even know he's watching and goes, Geez, Dave, you're talking, geez, Dad, you're talking a lot about pastors and why they should honor you. So all self-serving things aside, just what the counsel of God says, but in 1 Timothy, Paul writes to a pastor named Timothy that elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. 
especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. A couple of insights. In the New Testament, the word elder, the word that gets translated elder, is synonymous with the word we use, pastor. That's why here at Fellowship of Faith, our elders serve as assistants to the pastor and why I am considered the head elder of this church. So understand the definition of what he's talking about there. And he says that those especially engaged in preaching and teaching are worthy of a double honor. Why? Well, he goes on and he writes this. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, which suddenly explains everything, doesn't it? <laughs> and the workers deserve his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. This is not self-serving, but I don't want to cop out. It's important to get on our lips. If you have a pastor or people of spiritual authority in your life, please read this with me. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. What does God say? Honor me, but not just me. Honor those who have been placed in spiritual authority in your life. Honor your elders. Honor your board. Honor those who lead you in worship and lead your children in Sunday school. Honor those who lead your student ministry. Honor those who lead your small groups. Honor those who are in a place exercising authority. Why? Because the Bible says we will be judged more strictly before God. I don't like that at all. But that's what it says. That God will hold your spiritual leaders to account for your spiritual lives. So honor them. See, I love this line, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. See, what that means is I'm the ox, okay? And there's a lot of work to do. And you know what I've discovered? My experience is that what breaks a family, what breaks a relationship, and what breaks a church is often the presence or the absence of honor. I've been here at Fellowship of Faith for nine years now and it feels like it has been a flash. I know people that have been at churches for six months and it feels like it has been an eternity. And it has nothing to do with their talent and it has nothing to do with their skills and it has nothing to do with their calls. There are people with far more creative ideas, far more energy, far more passion and far more gifts than we have here at Fellowship of Faith and our spiritual leadership. But I've been to so many churches where they are muzzled you better not talk about that or I'm out of here. Or worse, you better not talk about that or I'll undermine you from within. Churches that are filled with gossip, backstabbing, backbiting, the grumbling that takes place in living rooms and corners where instead of honor being expressed, always looking with, with an underlying seed of contempt, for why it's wrong or why that's stupid or why they might not know what they're doing. When God says, honor those over you. Lack of honor among spiritual leadership means spiritual leadership that burns out. 
that fades away. And instead of what should be this, this amazing, pulsating movement of God where lives are being touched, churches throughout the country become impotent simply because of this thing called honor. As I was getting ready for talking about this, I wasn't even keying into these passages originally, and it was amazing to me in preparation how this theme of honor, when you're looking for it, begins to drip off the pages of the New Testament and how it is not only central to what God's call to obedience is, but how God seems to indicate that the implications of honor have implications on our very own souls and the spiritual state and health of our well-being. There's one final passage I want to show you here today, and it comes from Mark chapter 6. Let me read the context. Jesus is out doing ministry, and people are honoring him. They're looking at him with wonder and awe, and they are coming to him and opening themselves to him and elevating him in such a way, and God is doing miracles among them. In Mark 6, it says Jesus left there, and now he goes to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. Now, it says when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And they said, where did this man get these things? And just when you think this is going the route of wonder and awe, they turn around 180 and go, what's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Wait, isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? We know him. We know him, and we know him well enough that he shouldn't be put on this pedestal that people are putting him on because we've seen him grow up. We've seen what he was like with a kid. We saw what he did to Mrs. Ferguson's flower bed. You, you know, all these things are, are kind of heaping up. And it says they took offense at him. Now, now look at this. This is the exact next phrase. It says, Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without what? They ceased to honor him. And it says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. I don't get that. I don't understand that. I don't know why he couldn't do it. It doesn't make sense to me. And brighter minds than mine have wrestled with this, trying to make sense. But that's what it says. It doesn't say he would not do miracles there. It did not say he refused to do miracles there. It said he could not do miracles there. And I have come to believe that it ties intimately into this word that we call honor. See, God is not the big guy upstairs. He's not your buddy Jesus. He is the Lord of the universe that sacrificed himself despite you and I being weaker. That we can be called heirs of God. And that level of glory and that level of sacrifice demands honor. Do not honor, and you will render your spiritual life to impotency. 
you will not experience many miracles. You will not experience the fullness of that which God has not only for you, but also for your family, and also for your church, and also for your community, and also for your nation. There is something so vital to your spiritual health, and it is called honor. And my encouragement and my prayer for you today is that you regain a sense of lost honor. If that has happened for you, that you regain a sense of lost honor in your life. For those who are easy to judge, easy to despise, easy to hold into contempt, or easy to disregard. What would it look like if in a church, everyone was to take one of these passages, right, that we looked at, right? Just one. Just one to where we are called to honor. And say, I will make it my life quest to restore that in my life today. What would God do among a people who found honor again? That's my prayer for you. And so my encouragement to you this week is to take that passage, to take it, to memorize it, to think about it every day or read it every day. And every time you come to a place of apathy or dishonor, to let God speak to you through it and grow your spiritual health in such a way as a result of it. Well, guys, honestly, that it blows you away. So I'd like to invite you to rise. And, uh, and what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a moment to just pray together. Ask God for honor in your life in this, okay? Not that those would honor you, but that you would rise to the call of honor for someone that you are struggling to honor here today. God, we come. We come as a people who, well, God, we're inclined to want to be the most important in the relationship, to treat ourselves as more important than others. But God, you call us to treat others as more important than ourselves. And God, you've brought people into our lives that you call us to honor in certain ways. May we honor our parents. May we honor our husbands and our wives. May we honor our president, our governor, our representatives, and those who govern in the land. May we honor those, God, who are called to places of spiritual authority over us. And God, may we honor you. Forgive us for the lack of honor that we show. Forgive us for reducing you. Forgive us from being blind to how great and grand and amazing you are. Teach us, God, as a church, as a people, as a family, what it means to honor each other. And through that, heal us, grow us, Use us. 
of these amazing things that you have in store. All this we pray. Amen.